Hello, everyone. Um, well, on this uh, this next episode, we're going to get to the more fun topics of conversation, talking about the CUSA to AAC editions in a bit. But um, if you follow this show, then you probably saw that, unfortunately, Vox and SB Nation have cut the funding for the Underdog podcast. So myself, Joe Londrigan, Eric Henry wanted to take a couple seconds to kind of address what that means for the larger site and what kind of happens next. First off, you know, Eric, I thought when they eventually killed us off, it would be a little more, uh, there'd be a little more guff to it. It'd be a little more ceremonial, but uh, nope, got a little, <laughs> well, I mean, they didn't even email me. They emailed other people and then it got forwarded to me after the fact. So, <laughs> but here we go. Such is life. Yeah, definitely a weird time. And again, going to echo what you let off with in terms of, uh, first and foremost, just can't thank all of you who have taken the time, whether it's one episode or been regular listeners, cannot thank you guys enough for bringing us into your, you know, <laughs> homes, radios, you know, wherever you choose to indulge this podcast. Uh, it means more to Joe and I than probably our words can convey. So want to first off, thank you guys for that. Want to also apologize to my uh, now, you know, what cohort uh, of what four years now for the way that he had to find out because <laughs> I mean it's not your you don't have to apologize for anything. Well, sure, sure, you know, but just a, a quick look inside. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was uh, you know in in route to some to some travels and then ended up seeing the email that was forwarded to some other people that you know guys excuse me was sent to some other people that got forwarded to me and I was like I stunned was a bit of an understatement because you know you you kind of like making sure you're reading the words right. Right. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the first thing I did was I texted Joe's like, hey, man, <laughs> got, a, got a few minutes. Happy birthday. Yeah. We, we yeah. sort of fired. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, but no, listen, we, we won't, uh, as Joe said, you know, we'll get to the fun stuff. And um, this podcast will cease to produce new episodes on February 28th. However, Joe and I have made the decision that we want to try to continue um, to produce content up until then listen yep. when we took on this endeavor we knew that there are fan bases um that are you know underserved and uh that was the whole purpose and especially you know in the past few years joe you know i'm gonna try to keep this short but again the past few years you know we've really ramped things up whether it's been getting head coaches on or you know beat reporters or ad's or whatnot you know really trying to bring you guys i know that's what when i was a student at ucf and i graduated in 2014 so this is pre you know, the national championship and everything else, right? This is still, you know, the the George O'Leary consistent years. I remember, A, being in a market in which UF and Florida State, those were the teams that were king, right? And B, so taking a backseat on the local paper, and B, coverage being non-existent in the offseason. And that was one of the things that Joe and I both wanted to develop, right, is, is hey, we know, and that's a UCF, let alone, you know, the teams that are in the Sun Belt or in, in Conference USA now. Um, and we wanted to make sure that you guys were getting consistent coverage and being, you know, you guys in these fan bases in, in these towns, uh, you guys are just as plugged in as, like, teams West as fans want to be to their NFL teams. And we really wanted to do that. Um, and unfortunately, that's going to come to an end. But that's my long-winded way of saying, until they, you know, tell us, they, 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 they you know, throw us out like DJ Jazzy Jeff, and the Fresh Prince until they, you know, we, we get the key card, you know, my man from the Jets is trying to get in his key card doesn't work. 
um, we're going to keep putting out content. So we got some guests. We're going to try to line up as many guests as possible, CUSA related, um, until the wheels fall off of this thing. But again, just can't say thanks enough. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I'm going to live in SB Nation's dumpster like the metaphorical raccoon that I am. That's, that's <laughs> uh, for sure, man. Like it's, I don't know. Like I don't have a way with words the way that you do it at this moment in time, but it's, it's just so fun getting to talk to all the people that this show lets us, uh, you know, get to meet and, and network with and learn from and just, you know, have these extended conversations about, you know, G5 football and FCS football, whereas like out in the world, that's significantly harder to find than it should be. <laughs> I think, you know, right. some people are like, what league is Western Kentucky again? And the American is what now? And just getting to be part of this, you know, very passionate and engaged uh, group of communities for these schools that belong to those programs. The last five years has been a blast and um, it's, it's going to continue to be, you know, I think obviously this is a bummer and getting to see this project um, have to, you know, change shape kind of abruptly is frustrating, but uh, to clear a couple of things up, if you're really dying to go back and listen to old episodes of the show and here's some of the old interviews we've done, or you're just a big fan of our nonsense together and the rest of us. Uh, the backlog of episodes is not going anywhere. So if you want to go on underdogdynasty.com and listen to those old episodes, you still can. Um, or if you want to get them from Apple, Spotify, whatever, uh, all these old episodes are still going to be up. So you can absolutely still go back and listen to those. Second, the website itself for now is not going anywhere. Obviously, you know, it, if you follow, you know, SB Nation and Vox at all, uh, things change frequently. Um, you know, so who knows what conversation we'll be having in, in six months. You know, it's it's anybody's guess. But for now... We're, we're sticking around and we're going to continue to do uh, college football coverage for all those communities that we just mentioned until we can't. So we're just going to keep going uh, on that route. And, you know, as far as other, you know, non print type things for us on podcast, radio, video, whatever, who knows? It's the way I look at it, Eric. It's not goodbye. It's see you later. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. And I want to thank you for, you know, making those two points. I think and want to thank people definitely buried the lead there as far as the backlog of podcasts. And as you said, you know, for the time being, we, we've we've staved off, you know, elimination game seven plenty of times. So we'll try our best to continue to do that. It's not in our hands, but we will continue to. Um, do what I talked about, which is serve those communities that are fans of G5 football. You know, um, we've had Joe, so many people reach out to us over. I mean, I think both of us were a little bit overwhelmed and taken aback by how many people reached out. Um, you know, I, I won't name names because, you know, it's, it's not relevant. But I mean, we've had, you know, co coaches and, you know, fellow reporters and and the fans, you know, the, the, the listeners um, who've reached out. So again you know we've had listeners who have only reached out in the past to tell me how much they hate me tell me i'm so sorry man this sucks like that's true i mean okay <laughs> thanks true, true. <laughs> where I was your it. support earlier no i'm just kidding <laughs> so um but yeah you know with that um again 
the, the podcast may be coming to an end, but still continue to follow UDD um, for coverage. And as Joe said, you know, this is not goodbye. It's see you later. And who knows in what form or fashion uh, this may rise again. But it, it is not the end for Joe and I. So uh, I'll leave it at that. It's weird. I feel like last week I said nothing gold can stay, but clearly I, <laughs> I was a little more foreshadowing than I thought. Um, but up until February 28th, we're going to continue to do a lot more fun stuff, including um, we're going to get we don't know what form it's going to take because uh, we've only had a couple of days to really process everything. But we are going to do something kind of like a finale episode, going to bring back some old friends to I don't want to say reminisce, but just kind of put together one last uh, big blast in the past uh, for everybody out there before February 28th. So uh, keep it locked until then and happy football watching everybody. Let's jump into the actual episode. SB nation and underdog dynasty present the underdog podcast. Uh, all right. Special episode today. As we jump into the Underdog Podcast, Joe Londrigan, Eric Henry with Dan Morrison and Emily Van Buskirk, and we are talking about where CUSA and AAC merge this year. Obviously, we got six schools from Conference USA joining the league and just wanted to chop it up a bit, the four of us, about uh, what the AAC is going to look like with those new schools. So I think it's going to be interesting. What are you guys most excited about? Whoever wants to run with it first, let's jump into it. I'll, I'll run with it first and just say I was really excited to see Emily's beautiful face because I haven't seen Emily <laughs> in, in a few months. So, you know, it has I, been a while. I, I get a chance to see my good friend, Miss Van Buskirk. <clears throat> I would offer those same sentiments to Dan, but listeners of this podcast may not know I hate Dan Morrison. He's a <laughs> and I won't go down this rabbit hole again. You know, it's going to get that off my chest. I, I, I actually hate Dan outside the fact we went to the same university for undergrad. I hate Dan. But for all purposes of this podcast today, Hi, Dan. <laughs> I don't know that I deserve it. Is this because the Celtics and Magic are playing right now? While we record? It's, it's because your baseball team refuses to build a real freaking wall that you can just swat the ball over the wall and it's called a ground rule. Okay, so first off, I'm mad at them right now. We're, I don't want to talk about the Red Sox right now. <laughs> beside myself with how this offseason has been. Uh, anyway. <laughs> So oh, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I, I apologize for coming during the first four minutes of this podcast this rant at Dan. So No, 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 no. I just I needed to stop myself before I spent the next 20 talking about Xander Bogarts. So. And then the Trevor Story just had surgery like a week ago. He's going to be out until like hopefully mid-July. What is this? Crap show organization. Anyhow, the, the, the queen of this uh, podcast network, this podcast empire, Emily, what's up with you? <laughs> I am unprepared because I usually need a topic list. And unlike everybody else, I don't work in this industry at all anymore. So I would not like to start because I I don't know what we're doing, to be honest. So maybe Fair Dan enough. should go. Yeah. <laughs> I, hey, hey, I have no idea what's hey, going on. <laughs> I would have prepped you for a, for a topic list. But guess what? I, I, asked, I asked for one. But, but guess what? <laughs> they, they, they told us this whole thing is ending. So in case you couldn't tell. Dan didn't even <laughs> the podcast today. I, <laughs> like, yeah. It only texted me like, like two hours Dan. ago. 
Yeah. Are we still re- like, do you have a list of topics? No, I was like, do you have a list of topics? Because I thought he would. And he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was playing mad and being like, oh, we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> so, since I'm on day Joe's three of podcast, a hangover. So, <laughs> yeah, well, Joe's, it, was, it was Joe's 30th over the weekend. And yeah, so, all right, I'll, I'll how about this? I'll start. Um, <laughs> okay. This is the easiest way. Dan, of the three teams that are leaving the American, Who's going to be the hardest to replace? And then also, um, of the teams that are coming to the American, in case you need a refresher, I should be able to do this off the top of my head. Joseph, please fill in if I miss anybody. Here we go. Florida Atlantic, North Texas, UAB, Charlotte, Rice. There should be one more that I'm missing, Joe. Yeah. UTSA. 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 So there's a two-part question. One, who's going to be the hardest to replace? But out of that list, who do you see uh, being able to kind of step in immediately and, and make some noise? My heart wants to say UCF, but I think it's probably more likely Cincinnati's going to be tougher to replace. Florida, uh, UCF, you know, it's younger. It's in Florida. We're getting a kind of, it's knockoff, but it's a replacement in FAU. It's a younger version. It's a smaller version, but it's in a lot of ways similar. Just a few years different uh cincinnati there's no real geographic team that's going to be coming in to replace them there's a lot of history there that's been lost and it's access to recruiting in ohio that's lost so i think cincinnati is the tougher one to replace kind of leaves simple out on an island too coming in i would have been really really excited if uab had entire trent dilfer i don't like that hire i think uh i think he's a guy who politely has no experience coaching college football or really much high school experience and the high school experience is like a couple years of being whatever at Lipscomb from my understanding. Um, yeah, I didn't get that higher other than like he might know quarterbacks, but that's a program in a city, in a city with a new stadium that I think could thrive in the future. Emily, uh, I'm going to toss it to you only on this. You did cover UAB's bowl game in the Bahamas bowl. I know you had a chance mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of, I think you had, if correct from wrong, you had a chance to chat with Trendell for a little bit. Not asking you necessarily to counter Dan's point about whether it's a good hire or not, but just, you know, your thoughts, if any. Yeah, I think Trendell for a lot of people know him. So I think obviously, like, there's excitement around the name, which is good. He was very genuine when I spoke with him, and the players went out of their way to, you know, shake his hand when they came off the field. After warm-ups, um, he made a point to stay out of the way of the current coaching staff so that they could do their thing, which seemed very respectful. Um, so, you know, optically, it looked really good. Um, that game wasn't particularly great um, as a football game. But, um, well, you know, yeah, that was very apparent because we were staying in the hotel with them. And... When we were in the media hospitality, um, they were yelling to each other, the the guys, the players from the various teams out, out of their balconies. They were just like talking and yelling to each other late into the night before the game. So it, it was definitely a good time, I think, had by all. But as far as the football, I think, you know, it's just more about spreading um, awareness about college football in that part of our world. Um, but yeah, Trent Dilfer seems fine. We'll see. I don't know. It's, it's tough to tell. They seem to like him. So it's maybe that'll be helpful. I have no idea. It'll be interesting to watch. And really quick, you, you put a lot of emphasis Mm. on the late part there where they keeping you up. Mm. 
No, I was just surprised um, that they were, you know, I'm not going to say there was nefarious behavior going on, but, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> there was no bed checks or anything like that, I don't think, in the island. So it was, they were definitely having fun, which is good. And and I, like, I'm not judging. I think it's great that, that oh, they were yeah. out doing whatever, but it was just, it was interesting. Definitely you wouldn't see that, you know, at like the Cotton Bowl or at, um, something like that. So it's kind of, it's, it's a, it was a weird thing to see and then be part of, but you're like, wait a minute, what, what's going on? It's a very fun environment. They curate there at the Bahamas bowl. I like it. Joe, uh, same question to you. Um, which yep. team do you see, um, you know, being the toughest to replace and who do you think is most equipped to step up and replace them? I, I will say the first uh, coming from the conference USA side, I think the team that's going to compete immediately in the American is UTSA at least next year because they have a lot of uh, talent coming back. I mean, uh, Frank Harris alone, like I'm amazed that he (laughs) found a reason to come back. Like I know they didn't win the bowl game and that's like the one thing that they have uh, left to accomplish really with Jeff trailer, but like coming back after two consecutive conference titles, I mean, I would have just taken the NFL opportunity and and gone, but um, I mean, they, they have those, uh, they have several of those receivers coming back. They have a really deep offensive line room. Uh, defensively, they you know have been able to find a lot of uh, really good talent to come in and um, shore up that front seven in particular. I'm curious how they're going to change with uh, Will Stein gone because I believe he's at Oregon now, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see how things change there. Um, as far as the toughest to replace in the American, I'm biased because Scott Satterfield coming over from Louisville, I don't really get that move from Cincinnati's side personally, but we'll see how it goes. I would say if they still had Luke Fickle, it would absolutely be Cincinnati, but I'm curious to see how much they're able to kind of pick up the pieces from there because I've seen Scott's how Scott Satterfield operates. I've seen how Luke Fickle operates and I don't think there's a huge comparison there, frankly. Hey, Em, I want to ask you this. I know you've spent a fair amount of time around Tulane uh, covering that program, especially this year. So you're probably a great person to ask, um, you know, given the the magical year that they had. Given the fact that Houston, UCF, and Cincy are leaving, is it fair to just assume this is Tulane's conference going forward? Or, or would you, you know, consider like a Memphis maybe a fair opponent Um uh, in the near future and going forward. The idea of Tulane, you know, repeating what they did is is very um, storybook and people want to believe in that and, and think there's going to be this magic again, especially with the hype around Willie Fritz saying that he wants to retire there and all this stuff that happened at the parade the past few days. Um, it's, it is, it's like a Disney movie, if you will. But the reality is that it's not going to be the same team next year. Um, and that's for better and for worse. They made changes like promoting, you know, um, their tight ends coach up to offensive coordinator, even though he had been doing that all along, which, you know, was something that people finally learned, but we had known all season that he was calling plays instead of the offensive coordinator, um, Svoboda. But they're going to lose key pieces. You know, they lose two of their top tight ends. They lose Nick Anderson, their best defensive player. So while the future does look somewhat bright, because then you look at the guys stepping into those shoes and they've been very well prepped. We saw, you know, the tight end 
um, the young tight end make a catch in the Cotton Bowl that was incredible. And you're like, okay, the future's bright for for some of these. It's going to be okay to lose those pieces. They're still going to be turnover, you know, and transition. So I think Tulane's going to be one of those teams, like, I don't want to say it's like Houston this year where everyone's like really hyped on them in the beginning because of what they were and the potential. But maybe it's going to take them a little bit to find their footing in this new conference, um, just like everybody else. So I'm really excited to see Rice. I know nobody talks about that, but I love Mike Bloomgren and I'm I'm really excited to just ride that Rice wave and surprise, shock the world, if you will. Well, really quick. I mean, I, I won't let you, um you know, uh, mm-hmm. go veer too far from the Rice topic. Obviously, you, um, for listeners who don't know, you know, you, you're, you, uh, um, have some familiarity with Mike Bloomberg, of course, from his time at Stanford. What excites you about Rice? One of the things I feel like was not talked, and I don't know, maybe you guys talked about this more, but something I felt like sure. I didn't hear anything about was the stuff with Luke McCaffrey. I mean, did you guys, was that like a, a big topic during the season or no? When you um, say stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, when you say stuff, what specifically? <laughs> like, I guess him coming and then not playing quarterback. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, we talked about that quite a bit okay. at the beginning, but he, yeah, might I mean, that, that's like a crazy that. thing to me because of the four McCaffrey brothers, which there are four, I don't know if people know that, but there are four of them, and they're all very talented in different ways. But Luke McCaffrey, I'm very close with the McCaffrey family. I've, I've followed them for a long time. I spent time with all the boys at the Heisman when Christian was there. Luke was the best football player of all four of them, is what Ed will tell you. It's what everyone will tell you. And he actually taught, was like the best quarterback and taught the other, you know, the other McCaffrey, everything he knew, and then taught Christian how to throw because Christian actually threw a touchdown pass when he was at Stanford and it was incredible. But it surprised me to see that he's now playing wide receiver. And I've actually really want to talk to Bloomberg about that because I know he said it was his idea, but I just think it's so weird to me. Well, you see Scott Frost got his hands on him in Nebraska, right? And really molded him into that. <laughs> quarterback that he needed <laughs> and no he's i don't know yeah nice plug but i just um i'm excited because i think bloomgren's one he, he's a really good offensive mind he doesn't get a lot of support because the school's obviously small um and it's battling against houston and every other school in texas to even try and succeed there is a lot of money so I feel like there should be more support. I don't I've never really had an in-depth conversation with him about it and I hope to. But he's a really good coach. He's a good players coach and he's a good offensive mind. So I just feel like at some point Rice is going to have this breakout. I know there was talk of firing him and he should be gone because they haven't made the strides they want to, but I feel like they're on the cusp of something. I don't really have a lot to back it up other than just like a feeling. But as Dan will tell you, I get these gut feelings sometimes and they they tend to be right. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Rice is an almost impossible place to consistently yeah. win is the problem that Bloomgren or any coach would face there. The financial support isn't what it needs to be compared to its peers. Uh, there's high, I hate to say higher academic standards because that implies that there's low standards elsewhere, but there's pretty high academic standards. I mean, there's high academic standards at Navy and Tulane within the American already too, though. So like, it's not an excuse, but it is a reality that it's harder to get guys eligible. And as some schools like Georgia tech's a great example, people get to Georgia tech, they get in and then they go, Oh, I really don't want to take three calculus classes a semester. You know, like 
It's just some <laughs> schools are less appealing to people because of those things. Yeah. Which is like, don't you want to have a good education? Yeah, but I mean, again, the education side. <laughs> I guess know, not. Tech's not a great example because <laughs> it's an engineering school and all that. You know what I mean? So like not everyone wants that type of education, but... You know, I can honestly yeah. say I've used very little calculus in producing a podcast. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're in the wrong industry. You should, what do you use calculus for? Accounting? You should get into accounting. Who, who's I honestly have I no idea. Any of us, yeah. None I have of us no idea. Yeah, they, I think they use calculus in accounting. Who's to say? None of us know. I don't. None of us. This is yeah, a exactly group of writers and people who do a podcast, Emily. <laughs> none of us know. I barely got out of statistics alive. So oh I, don't my God. Really, I don't even think no. I took calculus, to be honest. There are Rice fans listed this now like these stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> who are they to, to, to judge anything about our football program? But I mean, you have to look at Bloomberg and what he's doing. He's trying. I mean, I think he's, yeah. he's landing the right kind of recruits. He's getting transfers in like... I think he's getting guys there that are that are going to be good pieces of the puzzle, you know, whether that's enough, who knows. But I just have a good feeling that this is going to be Rice's year. JT Daniels, uh, he's finally going to find somewhere we can consistently start and win. His okay. journey has been wild. Like this poor man. Child, a, I guess. Is he a modern day guy? He yes. is a modern day guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, USC to Georgia to West Virginia to Rice. Yeah, just like. Poor guy. Should have never started at USC. That was the problem, but that's fine. That's another conversation. Putting <laughs> on a USC helmet makes you the most overrated quarterback in the country automatically. I mean, <laughs> it's incredible. Like, Keaton Slovis was so meh at Ole Miss this year. Oh, my God. Uh, no, sorry. He was at Pitt where he was meh. Jackson Dart was meh at Ole Miss. See, like, all these guys are the quarterback of the future. Happens in the NFL, too. Sam Bradford stinks. Mm-hmm. Just first example on top of my head. What was that math you guys were referring to? <laughs> Calculus? <laughs> or stats. I think that was No, I was saying statistics. I had to take it like three times in college. But calculus is like, you know, it's like smart kid math. It's a real subject. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not familiar. That's why you got I never I, took calculus, no. but I heard yeah, of no. it. You never, I didn't take calc either. I didn't even take pre-calc. Oh. For, for <laughs> any rice... Any Rice grad who wants to flex on me, like, look. Yeah, do it. I got two degrees somehow, and that was still with passing math at the local community college directly across the street from UCF. So <laughs> suck on That's that. It. Joe, I was going to ask you really quick, just because yeah. I'm going to take 30 seconds on rail on Mike Bloomgren. So did you want to kind of touch no. on that? No. Is this, is this just because we're going out, you just burn every bridge on the way out? No. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, listen, I've been railing on Mike Bloomgren for – I'm going to call him on speaker, put him on speakerphone right now. If you do that. <laughs> okay. Well, just ask the dude why he's an offensive genius, yet – in the era of the transfer portal, he can't find a quarterback, and he's had to start a different like, quarterback. People do not want to go Christian to Rice. McCaffrey, not Chris McCaffrey, Luke McCaffrey. Max McCaffrey. Luke Luke McCaffrey. Jeez, I'm Joke ruined. Joke ruined. I mean, this dude – go ahead, Emily. I'm sorry. No, no. I want to hear what you're going to say. This dude Yeah, I mean, okay. Let's see. He went to Harvard and got Tom Stewart. That didn't work. He went to TCU and got Mike Collins. That worked until concussions. He went to Weber State and got one guy. That didn't work. Uh, he went to Abilene Christian. That didn't work. Uh, I'm just waiting for him in this era of transfer portal to finally bring in a transfer portal quarterback that, you know, I don't know, is good. That's, that's my only thing. And granted, in his defense, they've had, you know, Wiley Green uh, is there, been banged up by injuries. Uh, the position has been banged up by injuries, but nevertheless, um, the only, listen, Emily, I agree with you. Like, 
I actually Mike Bloomgren's a good coach. I, I was the person who was defending him on the podcast for a while, but okay. the only thing that I can't excuse is given what you mentioned, him being an offensive guy, the failure to find a quarterback when the portal was like littered with quarterbacks left and right after year five. Now we're kind of run out of patience. That's just my oh. JT Daniels. Right. And hopefully he solved it. Yeah. I mean, was there an actual, a, was there an actual question there for me? <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, but I mean, no. I guess, I guess to add to that, I, I, <laughs> I do think JT Daniels is a really good step in the right direction. I think somebody who's had um, the experience and the type of offenses that he worked under at uh, at West Virginia as well as Georgia, I think that's a good uh, step in the right direction for them. Um, it helps that he's pretty big too. I mean, if you're going to be taking the kind of hits that Rice quarterbacks have been taking pretty consistently the last couple of years, that helps. And, you know, also I'll defend Bloomgren as well. Their offensive line depth was like non-existent the last two mm-hmm. years. And that's not the only issue, obviously, like, you know, they didn't lose games just because of that. But I mean, I mean, even if you go back to media day when, you know, the three of us were there with with Kevin and and our other buds, um, I forget the Rice offensive lineman that they brought, but like Shea Baker, Shea Baker. Baker yeah. yeah, yeah, Shea Baker was exhausted. He's like, guys, I'm exhausted because we haven't had a second team. We like we didn't have a second team O-line like all spring. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that definitely plays a factor. And by the time they get to fall ball, like not only are they exhausted, they're more susceptible to injury. And I think that definitely played a factor in getting, you know, how snake bitten they were at the quarterback position, at least to some degree. Uh, you know, Joe, I'll let you slide because there was a question there, but that's okay. It's what was it? What was, the was, what was the question? No, I'm curious because I didn't hear it either. Yeah. No. <laughs> The, the question there was Emily brought up being curious about Luke McCaffrey not playing quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I said, you know, Joe, did you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Cause he's blossomed into a pretty good receiver. And what was the USA? Uh, I mean, he's a really good receiver. He's an incredible national athlete, natural athlete. Like mm-hmm. what, what was his, uh, what was his stat line last year? 58 catches, 723 yards, six touchdowns. I didn't know that off the top of my head. I have see I have sports reference pulled up, but <laughs> um yeah, 12 and a half yards a catch. Like that's a fantastic first outing if you've never played receiver before. And he's got this is his fourth that this was his fourth year in college and he was only a sophomore. That's bananas. That the covid year is crazy. But yeah. yeah he's for, I think he's going to continue to be really good. For for anyone who wants more in, more in, insight on that, excuse me if I can get the word out. Uh, read our buddy Steve Helwick's piece on Lou McCaffrey's transition from quarterback to receiver being there in Valor Christian, where he came out of high school in Colorado. Dan, this next one is for you. It's transition to a, another school heading to the American. I know again, as you as a UCF guy, you've got a chance to see a little bit of this. What are your thoughts on FAU? I mean, obviously FAU played UCF this year. They took a shellacking, which was pretty much expected in, in, on my hands. But just you know, you're, you're a Florida guy, so you know you're a little close to the situation. Your thoughts on FAU and is the natural rival for them South Florida? That seems to kind of be what's burgeoning right now. Yeah, I mean, if it's not anyone in the AAC, it's obviously South Florida. They were pretty obviously brought in to be as direct a replacement for UCF as possible chosen over FIU and you know more about FIU, but like just probably mostly because of where they're at right now, Uh, you know, more recent success. It feels like a better brand right now to the average fan. Yeah. USF makes the most sense to be the new team that they'd be rivals with, if not just still being rivals with like a Charlotte or someone like that, who they already have some history with. 
I think that the Willie Taggart hire made a lot of sense and didn't work at all, you know, and that kind of set them back a little bit. And some people's minds, maybe people forget about them, but uh, I like the Tom Herman hire a lot and it makes sense for all the same reasons Willie Taggart did. So who knows if it works out, you know, is an offensive minded guy who's recruited Florida. Well, and has had success in the American athletic conference. That's literally Taggart's resume and why he got the job. So who knows if it works out, but I think it could. And uh, if it does work out, they are in a recruiting hotbed. So, yeah, I think this is a team that as long as they invest in the program can be a good uh, – one of the better CUSA teams moving in. Dan, I had one follow-up question for you. Um, Romy, what year did you graduate from UCF? I never fully graduated from UCF. My degree's from UMass. <laughs> All right. What years, did you, what years did you go to UCF? I was like 2015, 2016. Okay. All right. So you're actually a little bit past the time. Uh, Cause the question I was going to ask you uh, as someone who graduated 2014 yeah. um, was if this league, I mean, again, no disrespect to the teams coming in, we could Joe and I could speak to them come from conference USA, but I was going to ask you if this league just looks like CUSA light, given the fact that, you know, the cream of the crop in, in central Florida or UCF uh, Houston and, and, um, and since you're leaving, it almost feels like just CUSA light, except Tulane should be the cream of the crop. Yeah, I mean, but that was kind of the vibe when the Big East collapsed and turned into the AAC you had that year that UCF went to the Fiesta Bowl 2013. Uh, right. right. That year was supposed to be Louisville is going to leave for the ACC next season. And in the meantime, they'll run the table and look really good and make a nice BCS Bowl. And obviously, that's not quite how it worked out, though. Louisville was very good that year. Uh, Charlie Strong, Louisville team. Uh, but yeah, the American at that point kind of got this immediate perception of it's like the Big East rejects and the best of CUSA, more or less at that point, right? I think you're going to get a little bit of that same vibe for a couple of years here until teams establish themselves. You know, if UTSA comes in and does what UCF did and, you know, win the con- wins the conference. Well, they're a Texas team in a city, so they've got that potential to really become a big brand as far as the conference goes and carry that torch. But there's also that possibility that, you know, maybe if you eat yourself alive a little bit and the Mountain West gets the New Year's Six bid next year, the Sun Belt gets that bid, that people start to forget about you as a conference a little bit. Hey, Em, uh, going to transition to one of the team that, you know, is kind of, again, you do have some familiarity with, at least the fact that you've covered a game there and you, you've seen um, you see what they have to offer. So I definitely want to come to you for this. Uh, Charlotte, you know, obviously the things didn't turn out the way they wanted this year with Will Healy. But just as, you know, a, a, a lay pro, lay person, you know, kind of a general perspective, um, were you, what were your thoughts on kind of their facilities, the stadium, you know, the environment, just general thoughts on Charlotte from that, you know, I'll say short period of time you were at Jerry Richardson Stadium uh, earlier this year? I'm obviously like probably should never go to a Charlotte game ever again, you know, considering I'm extremely bad luck for the Healy family, which I feel terrible about. Um, But other than that, they have a great stadium. I, I think a person to ask would be Kim because she literally is not jaded yet like most people in this industry get from covering games, you know, for so long. And she has seen like a lot of different varieties. Cause I drag her to, you know, games everywhere. And she was, she was telling me that she really liked um, the Charlotte stadium, the way that it's set up the, you know, I thought the fans were 
they were decent for a game against FIU, but I'd been there prior and it was a pretty big crowd. The press box is even nice for, for a school of that level. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to do okay. It's, it's the transition's tough though. Like, I don't know really much about the new regime and everything. I've been following um, Hunter's sure. obviously, you know, his reporting about it's been phenomenal. And so I'm getting a little bit of info there, but that's probably a team with all of the changes and, and stuff going on that I have little to no insight about. So that'll be something I'll have to really dig into this no, year. Sure. Uh, Joe, where do you think Charlotte fits in in, in the new um in the new American given, obviously they look to be as far as our trajectory looked to be on an upward kind of a, a upward momentum, you know, Will Healy's first year. And then we saw things kind of fell apart uh, at the end there. Just where do you kind of see them fitting in? And do you think that's a, is that a, you know, multi-year deal there for Biff Pogi uh, at Charlotte? Or do you think he can get it done pretty quickly considering he's bringing a lot of his guys that he coached at St. Francis Academy? If he does get it done quick, I'll be impressed. You know, that's that's all I kind of really have to say. I mean, it, it's such a unique situation. It's a guy who really doesn't even need to be in football anymore from a financial standpoint. Like he's, you know, he's taken care of as from, you know, his career as a, as a hedge fund manager. So he's clearly just doing this because he loves it. So I don't know if that that can be a double-edged sword, right? Like, because it, it can go one way where it's like, well, this is kind of a hobby that I took up, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> you know, um, but like, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, that's not the approach he's going to take, but you know, because he loves it and he can, you know, I probably pour his own, you know, time and, you know, in some form, his own resources into it via, you know, donations or whatever. Um, and of course, like, the connections that he's had from his time coaching in, in Maryland and other places in Michigan that can clearly help them get a strong start. But like, it's just such a unique situation. I, I have no idea what to expect past this, this first year where I'd be very surprised if they were bowl eligible, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. Dan, Emily, in case you guys don't know what Joe's referring to there, uh, Biff Pogi is quoted in several publications uh, as being very financially well off from his time as a hedge fund manager. So he's not hurt for cash. <laughs> I did hear that. Um, my understanding is the hires to mimic Coastal Carolina uh, with Joe Moglia, who was the same kind of deal, like just a really, really rich guy from business who, who loved coaching football and they hired him. He built the program in a lot of ways. Both who on this podcast can tell me what a hedge fund is is the real question. Something to do with calculus, I would assume. Without googling, my it. guess is my brother could <laughs> tell us what that is, but he's not here. I'm on Home Depot's website. Mm. Hang on, that's not the right edge. <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 I'm not going to That was funny, Joe. That was like the best joke I've ever heard from you. That was hilarious. <laughs> That was good. And the podcast now, that's not going to get better. Well, do I have good news for you? (laughs) (laughs) Even better. What a way to go out. What a way to go out. This is great. (laughs) My my one liner totally pales into that one, Joe. So you got it. Can I tell you guys something about SMU? That's funny. Yeah. I don't, as a lot of people who listen know, I'm not, I was not a huge, I like, I no. Let me let me say this. I like the direction that they are trying to go. I think Rhett Lashley's awesome. I think he's building something there that's going to be fun. I think they were terrible this year, and I think 
TC was just as bad. So I just like no love for the, that area currently. But I was at the players tournament this weekend in, in Pebble Beach. And Eric Dickerson is a longtime uh, player in this tournament. And he was there at the table behind me. He was sitting with Don Cheadle and a couple other people. And it was a pretty epic table that was sitting next to us. And so we're start chatting with them. And obviously we had to talk about the, the golden Mustang and the, you know, the hype videos, probably one of the coolest things in college football. I thought prior Mm -hmm. to the season. So we talked about that and he's, you know, he was really excited to be part of it. And, and I'm like, Oh, we should have, we're talking about drinks. We're like, Oh, let's get around to drinks. And I'm not kidding you. What do you think Eric Dickerson ordered? Like if you had to guess what this legend from SMU ordered to drink at the bar, what would you guess? Seven and seven. That's that's generous. That's nice. That's a good guess. No. Eric Dickerson is from Sealy, Texas, if memory serves me correct. One of them small towns in Texas. Uh, that sounds like a Miller Light man. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> On both of you, what do you got? What do you got, Joe? Uh, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go classic and just say whiskey oh. on the rocks. I don't know. See that I feel like that or Cavassier. I could have seen him drinking or like I don't know some Remy, something like smooth and soulful and like just I don't know. But I'll tell you what he was, what he drinks when he goes there, what he always drinks at Pebble: hot buttered rum. Interesting. Would never have guessed. And on this occasion, he was drinking lemon drop martinis. So oh, we drank lemon drop martinis right with them. <laughs> like, lemon, never lemon in my life would I have guessed that, though. Come on. Like, yeah, no. I don't know anyone who has a hot buttered rum ever. Hot buttered rum. I don't even know what's in that. And I was a I'm going to guess butter and never, rum. I don't even know. I actually should have Googled it, I guess. But it, it's <laughs> definitely not something I would have seen that man drinking. I was very surprised and kind of like. I laughed when I placed the order and, you know, I think he was a little upset that I didn't appreciate his drink order. But um, if that says anything about SMU, then, you know, take that for what it is. And of course, Rice fans will remember why there are so many Trans Am videos from their good Southwestern conference days. (laughs) All I hear from this is who the hell is Emily to judge someone's uh, drink order? First of all, if you're ordering a drink that consists of rum butter hot water cider a sweetener and spices then yeah i'm gonna judge your drink order yeah the state of texas declares war on emily van buskirk (laughs) that kind of just sounds like a hot whiskey plus butter though is this like a texas drink that i'm unaware of this is like the national drink of texas like what i mean i feel like there's a lot of southern cocktails that have like weird like dairy and butter components you're thinking of like a hot toddy which i understand i also hate them but well, Anyways, I, mean, I just awesome. thought you guys would. I I challenge anyone on this podcast to remember Emily Van Buskirk's drink order oh after two God. drinks in a crowded bar. That's all I got to say. It's not that hard. It's like what every girl my age in America drinks. Just has a little twist. Uh, every girl at your age in America drinks a White Claw, sister. What? Uh, not out the bars. Yeah, at the bars. Is that what girls? Is that what girls order at the bars? A lot of the time. Yes. Maybe because Dan and I are in Florida. You could be between the age of 21 and 50, and a lot of the women order. So you're you're out here buying girls white claws. Like, that's I'm like, not, but whoa, you're like, oh. Whoa. No. I, I did. Whoa, Eric. <laughs> no. Eric nope. 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 Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, we're not. So nope. I'm saying if you go, if let's say there was a lady you're going to go talk to, and yes. she, you're like, oh, can I get you a drink? And she's like, I would like a white claw. You're going to be like, 
Okay. Yeah. It's fine because that means I can order a beer and it's fine. Oh my God. Emily, you should be like, no. I should be like, no, you have to buy the more expensive thing. I mean, you should just not let her do that. Like, it would just be a service to like get her a real cocktail, is all I'm saying. No, it sounds like I'm saving seven bucks. (laughs) You definitely are. Out here, you'd be saving mm, 15. So. Yeah. And you got to remember, Emily lives in, in what, the Bay Area? So, I mean, like, her and her South Florida taste, you know, her Fort Lauderdale, Miami taste, yeah, you can <laughs> buy them cocktails. But us, you know, regular folk up here in Central Florida, uh, yeah, White Claw. What do they drink at the bars in, in, in Portland, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in reality, it's, like, cheap beer. and Mold uh, wine. I imagine, like, mold wine. <laughs> I mean, it depends on where you go. I mean, okay. everybody... Every every subculture is douchey about it in their own way, but there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of good whiskey bars, a lot of good like wine like bars. Picklebacks. Like picklebacks. Oh like my god! god. The, there is yeah. a sports bar that we go to on Sundays to mm-hmm. watch the NFL, and there's a big they're like picklebacks are like a dollar fifty. Yeah, yeah. it's stuff. because it's very like it's very uh, Portland's very like I don't know what the word is. Yeah, but if it's like if it was trendy or cool or like ed- not edgy, what is the word? Like hipster. If it was a hipster yeah. drink, like Portland will favor that. I feel like we should we should rank AAC coaches. Let's rank them. Well, not in this episode or maybe yeah. ever, but <laughs> ideally, it'd be really Good. it'd be fun to rank American coaches by what we think they drink, well, and then we actually all know find what out Dana the drinks, answer. Though he's not an American coach anymore. Yeah. Vodka Red Bull. Rest in peace to the vodka Red Bull. Yes. What do you think Willie Fritz drinks? Oh, I know what he drinks. Actually, we know what he, he drinks. Natty Light. He drinks Natty Light. Na- he he drinks beer. He's a beer guy. He told me after yeah. the Cotton Bowl that yeah. I asked him. I was walking across the field with him after just chatting. I was like, Coach, like I was just asking your players where they would take the trophy if they could take it out. They weren't allowed to take the Cotton Bowl trophy out, by the way, which I thought was weird. No, um, and that but I was New Orleans. Yeah, they no anywhere. They didn't let him like it had to fly. I don't know where it went, but it didn't go out that night. Like they wanted to take it out in Texas and they were not allowed to. Um and I don't know if that pertains to because after the championship game they took it to a club and then had to like put it in a taxi, take it home, and Nick Anderson tucked it into his bed. But I don't know why. But they weren't allowed to take it out. So I asked him all the USD punch. <laughs> I asked him where they would take the trophy if they could have, and all the players had really good answers. But I asked Coach. I said, Coach, you know, you can't take the trophy out to celebrate tonight, but, like, if you could, where would you take it? And he actually said this really divey sports bar back in New Orleans. It was like, I would take it there, there and have beers with it. And I was like, that's epic. I love it. Long live Willie Fritz, basically. But... <laughs> Joe, before we try this off, uh, what is your cocktail of choice or alcoholic beverage of choice? My cocktail choice. Oh my God. I need to just stick to beer because (laughs) the problem is I don't have a cocktail of choice and I'll drink whatever people put in my hand. That's which got me in trouble. I'm gonna put on Saturday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Next time I see you, I'm gonna buy the gnarliest drink and just put it in your hand. So just this conversation. Yeah. Well then give him a prairie fire. No, I'm thinking a three wise men or or you okay. could ask the bartender for their worst well gin, like stuff that he wouldn't serve someone he hates. <laughs> what hell off. have I just gotten myself into? Shot. Shots of so bad gin. It, it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty real, Joe. 
There's a, this one liquor, and I don't know if you can get it anywhere except Western Massachusetts, called Wojnukia. It's a Polish what? cherry brandy. It's 100 proof, and that's pretty nasty. It's like $10 a bottle. Why in the world would it only be in that one? Because that's the only place I've ever seen it. <laughs> I, I believe you because that sounds terrible, but like, why would someone make that? Well, question. because it gets you real drunk. Why do people in Massachusetts hate themselves? Because they live in Massachusetts. How it's much very gray. <laughs> it's very gray there. Cold. Oh, my God. Dan, Anyways. Dan, what's your alcoholic beverage of choice, sir? I mean, if it's not going to be beer when I go out, I like whiskey. Mm-hmm. As a, whiskey. As a I already know. Or, uh, yeah. Go. A good yeah, podcast like... co- host knows their <laughs> co-host's drink, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Just a nice little shard. Nice Chardonnay. <laughs> Yeah, Joe, where do, you, where do you want to take us from here, man? Where, we haven't really <laughs> talked about North Texas yet. I know we were talking about SMU uh, a second ago. Uh, I, can't, I can't talk about North Texas. Yeah. It's too sad for me. Yeah. We oh, talked yeah. about it on our uh, on our AAC shows, how we really didn't like the way they fired Latrell and like how they did yeah. the transition there. Nothing about it was... It was like, just really late in how you should cycle. do cycle. And like yeah. you knew you wanted to fire him before you went to the AAC. Like that much is obvious. And you were hoping he gave you an excuse and then and didn't, didn't quite give you a good <laughs> enough excuse. Uh, yeah. Well, the and I like the hire there, ultimately, but. I mean, the issue was the departure of Ren Baker, right? Like the yeah. athletic director who had mm-hmm. you know stuck by him for so long once he left for the job at West Virginia when like immediately the first order of business for the, the new athletic director, it seemingly was, was that. And I, I agree with you guys. I think the the way they went about it was not great. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, I I told Eric this when we, when we talked about it a few months ago, if Ren Baker was still there, I think Seth Luttrell would still be there. Yeah. That's probably a fair argument. Like I said, I do really like the hire. Um, Whose name's escaping me right now. Eric Morris. Eric Morris, because he's Mm -hmm. an incarnate word guy, correct? Who had a ton of success there before GJ Kinney did. Yeah. Uh, And then he was at at Washington State for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Really built that program up at the FCS level, recruiting in Texas, all those things. Which, if it hadn't mean Seth Luttrell leaving, I would like this is the hire that has my name all over it, but I cannot, I cannot like your loyalty to a fullback will never end. And that's why. I can't like I can't do it. So North Texas, like they have now brought a curse upon the house, and that's sorry. That's just what you get. It's like don't bring up Navy. I can't even talk about it. I'm just oh, not ready. Awful. It was terrible. What's wrong with yeah. these people? Do you we think can talk about adds? Tulsa? I guess. Tulsa's old news. <laughs> Tulsa, Tulsa, like you could literally like gut the entire thing or do something. I mean, you could do stuff like that. And people are like, mm, it's fine. It's Tulsa. Just Tulsa, man. It's just Tulsa. Do you guys watch that new show, Tulsa King, by the way? With Sylvester Stallone? Is it any good? Yes. It's okay. so good. I've it makes me want to move to Tulsa and just well, cover the Golden Hurricane for a living. <laughs> I mean, don't don't go that far, but I'll give it a shot. I'll give this TV show a while. Maybe you should do first. Yeah, they probably shoot in New Mexico, but yeah. No, they shoot in Tulsa. They okay. shoot in Tulsa, and it's it's very. You should watch. I like. I mean, it takes a minute because Sylvester Stallone is old, and he's definitely yeah. had some work done, and so like understanding oh. him was always hard, but it's really hard now. So just be prepared for that. But it's it's pretty good. Watch it with subtitles. Got it. Am I the only one who really, really hated Rocky? 
That doesn't surprise me that you hated Rocky. <laughs> right? At all. Least surprising thing. Least surprising thing about Dan. I think it's such a boring movie. It feels paint by the oh number. My God. Like, and he's such a bad actor. All the acting's so bad. <laughs> I don't I can't. Next topic. Let's talk about Temple. Hate Rocky too as well. Temple? What what's yeah. what's uh, what's tickling your fancy about Temple? I'm just like Dan and I always talk about how well, I guess not always. The way that their, you know, transition happened was unfortunate. But like we love we were Stan Drayton believers. We love Stan Drayton. I at least I, I don't always speak for Dan. I like him, right? Dan, you like him. Yeah, I I yeah. like the hire. I thought it made sense at the time. And yeah, like and he I did said, what he did okay for what well, he had. It's a complete tear down rebuild situation. Mm-hmm. So you can't judge you can't just look at on field results. You have to actually like look at effort of the team. You have to look mm-hmm. at how they've progressed and they got a lot better from week one to week 12 or 13, whatever, you know, I thought like they, they, the way that they're developing running backs, which is obviously his specialty was impressive. And then you have EJ Warner stepping up and being way better than, you know, mm-hmm. I thought he would be. And very this happy is, surprise. yeah, very happy surprise. So it just feels like, this cloud has been lifted from from over Philly, and that we might see some some sunshine. Obviously, without their own stadium, which is going to be a big, you know, They're uphill battle any, for him. I mean, won't I get know their that stadium anytime in the next twenty. I know years, that, so. but we can be positive about it and think maybe. I, I hate them playing their home games at Lincoln Financial. It looks. So I know everybody hates bad. it. Temple fans hate it. That's why they don't like, go. The, but like at least Raymond James lets USF paint their logo on the field. Lincoln Financial won't even let them paint a Temple logo on the field. It's just an Eagles logo that's like faded. <laughs> it's so sad. It's terrible. But I think it's it's. I'm excited to watch how they're going to do it. I think Drayton's doing it the right way. He's bringing in good guys that are hard workers and good like good team guys. And that's going to go a long way in trying to, to rebuild what was like very clearly toxic and broken. So it's, it's nice to see. You'd like to see nice things like that as opposed to terrible things, which I'm so tired of. I agree. Nice things are better than are better than terrible things. Sure. <laughs> better than terrible things. So it's it's like I like to to have those nice like all moments instead of like seeing coaches that shouldn't be fired get fired and seeing you know other things. I'm very sad about losing Holt Nailers. Don't ask me about ECU because I'm in mourning. Right. It's like fair enough. It's, I'm well, upset. Yeah. We were happy with how ECU grew, but who knows now that mm-hmm. they're they're going to have to turn over a lot of talent now. So we'll yeah. see. Gutted. Just gutted. So uh, the team be, is gutted, or any... you're gutted because Holt Nailers is gone. Both the team okay. is gutted because they're losing a lot. The thickest, yeah. the thickest king there ever was, and leader, and then also Keaton Mitchell, who is also a thick king, and I, they're the losing thing. a lot. What Holt Nailers is even the greatest thick king in AAC history. He just I, says, nobody said that he was, but he is the current reigning thick king. Okay, you heavily implied when you just say the king. You got to put the qualifiers. I do not have to qualify that because you should just know that it's he's currently the thick king. Doesn't mean he's well, not even the thick king emeritus. He's no longer on the team. He's gone until he gets drafted by an NFL team. He will. I think Frank Harris is our new thick king. (laughs) Is is thick king emeritus copyrighted? Because it's going to be after tonight. It it should be. It's not currently emeritus. That's amazing. 
Thank you. I'm very, I take it very seriously and I'm pushing, as Eric knows, I've been pushing hard for the Thick King, um, like not statistic, but um, what, what do we call it? A metric. Trophy? For what, uh, yes. When you're looking at draftees, uh, especially quarterbacks, you know, thickness should be a quotient for quarterbacks. It's just you trying to button a shirt around their neck. <laughs> Eric. I mean it's the <laughs> Emily was not on the year when I told it. All right, guys. Oh, that's right. You weren't there yet. I know exactly what you're talking about. Emily knows Yeah. The story involved her. Just Emily looked at me and said it's not gonna happen. It's, it's not, not gonna happen. happen. It's not gonna happen. Oh my god, that was when we did our outfit contest. <laughs> oh, he he went he went too hard in the paint and tried tried to tried to show you just can't do it if you can't you can't do it. <laughs> I can't breathe. Uh, uh, anyway, so, yes, all, all, all that matters yeah. is that I, I won the competition. Go ahead, Emily. No, you didn't win it. <laughs> You literally didn't. I don't know. You like the self-appointed victory does not count. You can't just be. I mean, I guess this makes sense coming from a UCF person. I understand wanting to give yourself <laughs> the title. I understand that inclination because that's what you know. But <laughs> but that's not how the real world works. Okay. Oh my god, that's pretty great. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm referring yeah, to Dan, I don't know how to don't, apply. Yeah, don't say anything, Dan. Not Other your, than it's NCAA out of it. <laughs> The NCAA is isn't it? real. Yeah. It's in the record books. I think that's called like giving you a pat on the back and saying good job for giving it's the only good thing. It's the only time I've ever like, look at the NCAA did. Look how smart. Oh my god. Other than that, just, cop. <laughs> Shut up, cop. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Um, <clears throat> one of the schools I'm very excited about getting out to this year um, <laughs> is Memphis. Do you really like six and six football? I really—they were seven and six. How dare you? Uh, um, I'm talking regular season. I don't count those uh, scrimmages. Come on. Okay, well, as a UCF they, fan, I'm really—they count it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Somebody went also went to UCF. I understand not counting things that are actually real, but that's fine. Well, no, but, no, no. The, this year we don't count it because stuff. They not, we say this every year. That's like make or break for them. But this really. So I'm going to pick like the gnarliest game they have on their schedule, and I'm going to go out there and UAB. And Do UAB. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's at going to be at Memphis or UAB or. If I don't it's know. whatever, but that's like an old USA rivalry. You want to check that one out. If you're That'll be fun. Game. Yeah. Well, hopefully battle it's a, for the bones. Yeah. Battle for the bones. That's what it's called. The trophy is a big rack of ribs. Yeah. Stop. This is not, I'm real. telling you the bones. Yeah, so bone that's, I think you got, whenever the schedule releases, you got to mark that one down. That's wild. I I'm looking at this now and I, I did not know that. So there we go. That that's the one I will be going to. Um, I'm definitely not doing it though. If it's at UAB, because I bet I've been to UAB or Birmingham quite a bit for the USFL. Just not, not for me. Not really. Okay. Not for me. No. So. Yeah. New stadium yeah. though. Gotta check it out. The stadium's really nice. I know it's you're talking like gorgeous, stadium, but uh, I just, yeah. Birmingham just not for me. It's not, you know, <laughs> 
So, but I do want to get to Memphis because that's somewhere. Bay um, State, Emily Van Buskirk. No, not Bay State. Uh, Bay Area, Emily Van Buskirk can't handle the Deep South, Little folks. <laughs> first of all, first of all, I've been to many. Listen, I am a legend in Blue Mobile, State, Alabama, Emily Van right? Buskirk hates the America oh that you God. love. <laughs> oh, my God. I, oh, my God. There's so many things I love about the South, but Birmingham is just. It's, it's, it's not really, it, it's really not like a, like when you go to a mobile or you go to, where else have I been? That's. Um, oh God. Just list Alabama cities that, you know, burning every bridge on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Emily lost any real, any real validity when she tried to say it's not mobile. What? What do you mean? It's not mobile. You were you, if I heard you correctly, were you saying Birmingham? Uh, yeah. It's not mobile. Yeah, it's not Mobile. Oh, no one yeah. likes Mobile. Oh, every, I love Mobile. That's <laughs> I've obviously never been during Senior Bowl week. It's it's amazing. I'm from Florida. I've been to the Panhandle. Apologies to, to the great um, Alyssa Newton, who I love. But yeah, Mobile. Uh, Joe, have you been to V? Have you been to Veets no. in Mobile, oh. Alabama? Mobile is a, never mind. I'm I'm not gonna get Joe from oh, Mobile. Wait, wait, Eric. I will say this. <laughs> Mobile has a pretty good Mardi Gras. Like rival. Yeah, that's where yes. Mardi Gras was no, no, born. No. That's the that, original. That, that Mardi is true. Gras. That, that is go. that is a thousand percent true. That's a thousand percent true. <laughs> but as someone who's been to Birmingham, like uh-huh. yeah, I'd much rather be I'm not saying it was bad, it's just not for me. Okay. Emily, what are the deep south uh, cities that you like? Just out of curiosity. Alita Stanford fan, Emily Van Busker. Can't stand. This is terrible. This is why people can't have opinions anymore. (laughs) Emily from from Marin, who's over here talking about the deep south. All right. Deep south, places I've been that I enjoyed. Um, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Hattiesburg is cool. Sorry. Right. Natchez, Mississippi. Okay. Also cool. Um, haven't made it to. Would you consider Starkville South? Yes, like Starkville, Mississippi. Like what's like deep South? Like if you know Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana states. Okay, so I've been to Athens. I covered a game at UGA. I love Georgia because anywhere you go in Georgia, like I've driven all over the state. There, any gas station, you could get the best chicken sandwich you've ever had in your life. It's so amazing. I love that state because gas station food in California is trash. I will tell you. It really is. No. It's so, it's bad. I like, don't doubt that. Get, no, I'm yeah. telling you. No, because it, yeah. it's trash in New England too. It's very well, much a thing that certain areas in the country a, don't emphasize. Yeah, well, everywhere in Georgia emphasizes it. And I appreciate that from them. So, Jill, there's only one real thing <laughs> Emily Waffle House. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, so I <laughs> listen, I went to Waffle House for the first time with some of the Tulane players, and they were like, Oh, you gotta go. You know, it's really good. And I was like, Great, I'm down to try it. Very excited. I love breakfast food, it's my favorite meal of the day. I love everything about breakfast. I, I love She's Waffle prefacing this to say she hated it. No, they made me order the pecan waffle, which yeah. I guess is like the what it's known for or whatever and i I hate pecans i hate pecans Uh, i hate them so the problem is that they made me eat this thing and it was awful because i hate pecans and so then i i haven't been back unfortunately 
Okay, they so, must have been doing something. Two, Waffle House two main football room. Yeah. Yeah, Waffle House. Waffle. I mean, it's known for a lot of things, but not the pecan waffle. Yeah. Wait, what? Is yeah, it no, not? It's absolutely. Don't you know, it is. Emily, you absolutely should it. never order waffles at Waffle House. That's insane. Wait, wh- why would you not order waffles at Waffle because House? Because they're bad. You got to get something else. That's why Joe, a place Joe, called can you, Waffle House. Joe, can you save this, please? Uh, we're beyond saving. Like, Joe lives uh, in yeah. Portland. What is he? What? I Joe waffle. lived in the I, I've lived everywhere. I love Waffle House. I mean, it's it's an experience. You never go before yeah. midnight for one. And yes. you just get, oh, the, okay. just get the all-star. We breakfast. went in the morning. Yeah, it's weird to go for breakfast. That's another thing. And, yeah, you go well, you go to get know, something in your just... stomach so you don't throw up. And B, what Dan said um, about Waffle House waffles being bad, that's just slanderous. But anyhow. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I feel like they're not bad, Dan. They can't be. That's like what okay, they're known. They're not bad, but that's not like the thing you get. That's all. Oh, I've been to Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Um, I know. Eric, I have just... one more football thing. No, yeah, Joe, bring us home. This geography what? lesson is terrible. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Something that's of interest to me about UAB's transition into the American under Trent Dilfer, like we're talking about, obviously one thing that you and I have covered quite a bit is like the run game and how they use that to establish the passing game and everything like that. Given that Dilfer's coming in, And he has two quarterbacks who are very familiar with these kind of Big 12 air raid-ish type offenses with Jacob Zeno and Landry Liddy, who just transferred in from Louisiana Tech. I guess, you know, what do you think that says about like kind of the short-term plan for what form this offense is going to take? Because they believe they still have Jermaine Brown Jr. too, who was a phenomenal number two option to Dwayne McBride this year and at halfback. You could listen. Landry Liddy was a pretty highly touted quarterback coming out of high school. So it's not necessarily like they're turned to the portal trying to find some quick fix. It, I think Landry Liddy, in terms of sheer talent, no disrespect to, you know, what it's been TJ three, who, you know, obviously, um, you know, graduated um, and Dylan Hopkins, who I believe is following Brian Vincent out to New Mexico. Uh, mm-hmm. Landry Liddy is a more physically gifted quarterback. I had a chance to see him start at FIU. So I, I don't think that's an indictment, quite frankly, uh, of all the moves that Trent Dilfer has made this offseason, I think getting Landry Liddy is probably the best one that they've done so far because you're getting a, a physically gifted quarterback. And uh, I will say this, and I think we talked about this on the podcast, given Trent Dilfer's history with Elite 11, I expect gifted quarterbacks will want to go play for him at UAB. So, no, that's just my quick thought on that. What do you guys think about all the like the, – I mean, obviously the air raid has kind of been slowly growing, but seems like we're going to get even more of it in the American this year. But with all of the you know, branches of the Mike, Le- Mike Leach coaching tree coming into the fold here. No one runs the air raid anymore. Not really. I mean, they might run what was – no one runs like Mike Leach, I should say, which is the Leach was the last raid. of the – yeah. Like what the air raid really was. It's like saying someone <clears> runs <throat> run and shoot. No one after June Jones really ran run and shoot the right way. I mean, maybe uh, Rolovich a little, for a little bit there at Hawaii was running the run um, and shoot properly, but like it was not a thing. It's just not a thing you really find in that form. You, what you really gain when people say this is an air raid offense, it's a highly air raid influenced offense. The route running sure. is very influenced by it. You got a lot of mesh concepts, but it's a lot more, uh, you know, it's that kind of veer and shoot sometimes is very. Heavily influenced, like what Josh Heupel does at Tennessee, where you spread it out and you're kind of just counting numbers and you go, we're going to run pass if we got numbers outside, but they like to run. Like, you know, you think of Josh Heupel, and I, I know he's not in the American now, but 
he's an example of that like spread fast paced coach that a lot of guys get compared to, but he runs just as much as he throws. And I think that that's what you'll see. Like Dana Holgerson, he runs the football a lot these days. Uh, obviously he's out of the conference now, but you know, for example, air raid guy who doesn't really run the air raid anymore. Well, sure. I mean, it, you see that influence kind of everywhere though. Like Tyson Helton at Western Kentucky, for example, mm-hmm. like he, he said, like, it's not an air raid and he's right, but he does throw the ball. 50 to 55 times a game fairly often. Yeah, Western Kentucky feels more air raidy to me than a lot of the guys in the American right now. Fair enough. I mean, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be wild to see which one of those kind of offenses kind of breaks away from the pack in the coming years. So, I mean, you know, guys to to wrap it up, I mean, hopefully we're going to get to do, you know, more stuff like this in the next month and send send this thing off the right way, but uh, you know, if you want to follow us on social media as we kind of figure that out and see what's next uh, for the site here, I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. Emily is at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. And uh, Dan is uh, Dan underscore Morrison 96. So, you know, thank you all so much for checking us out uh, at Underdog Dynasty for more updates from the site. And uh, we'll we'll keep bringing you what we've uh, what we've been bringing you for the past five years in some form or another. Happy football watching, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.